All right, so we are continuing this series that we are the church, and we're looking at Matthew chapter 9 and Matthew uh, chapter 10. As I look around, I, God revealed and opened my eyes. It's amazing sometimes how God uh, is doing something and you just don't see it for a while. But I recall not too long ago that, that God opened my eyes to what he's doing and the potential that's here at True Life Community Church. When I look amongst this room and even those that are not not with us, there is so much God-given potential that he has brought here to this church. So many of you, I know you, have come to know you, that I really believe that God brought you here for this season that he is preparing our church for. And I'm a super, super excited about where this church is going. You hear it all out throughout the community about, hey, we see you in the community. We see you guys. And there's a lot of buzz in the community. I see the abilities that you guys have. And so um, just continue to pray as we work through this. If you don't have this packet, if you weren't here last Sunday, uh, just raise your hand. My son will uh, get one of those for you. But just continue to pray through that and work through the process as we raise up uh, leaders, because I really do believe that God is at work. And, and we don't, really don't want to miss this opportunity. I feel like if we squander this opportunity, that God will take his hand off of the blessings that he is preparing us for. I really believe this is the next step that God has for his, for his church. And I know you may be wondering... Like, is this guy just in it for himself? Like, is he wanting us to volunteer and grow this church for himself? And I've told you before, I don't wear the skinny jeans, so I'm not trying to grow a church to a thousand. I really just want to be obedient to what God is calling us to do. And I really believe he's taking us to that next level. And we all are going to play a part in it. So I get where you're coming from. But I, the reason I asked Brandon to read Isaiah 6 was I wanted us to go back to the basics just for a second to understand the, the holiness of God. Like if you read the big hitters like Luther and Calvin and Martin, those guys like Augustine, like those guys are all about the holiness of God. And I think we need to pause for a moment and look at like Isaiah 6 to look at the holiness of who God is. Isaiah was saying, as I saw the Lord, it felt like I was being torn apart. Like my sin was, was overwhelming to me. That is who we are in our sinful state in front of a holy God. And everyone that we know, everyone that's ever taken a breath on this planet earth will stand in front of a holy God. And outside of Christ forgiving us of our sins, of Christ within us, being hidden in Christ, that's how it is standing in front of a holy God. We would rather just die than to be experiencing that. Isaiah, he said that he knew he was a dead man, that he was a sinner, that he was doomed, but then his sins were forgiven. And when his sins were forgiven, you would wonder, what's Isaiah going to ask God? Or what's God going to ask Isaiah? And what we see is God asks Isaiah, who will go and who will I send 
to proclaim me. And what did Isaiah do? He said, choose me. Here I am. Send me. His sins were forgiven. The coal was put on his lips. He said, there's filthiness that comes out of my mouth, and everyone that I'm around is a sinner as well. How can I stand in front of a holy God? They put the coal on his lips, forgiven of his sins, and what was the first thing that he did? He raised his hands. He said, Lord, here I am. Send me. I'm ready to go. So I believe first looking at just the holiness of God and as it relates to you and I and all of those that are around us. So if you would turn with me to Matthew chapter 9. I'm trying to juggle this microphone here. Should have checked my batteries. Matthew chapter 9 and 10. So we're looking at three principles throughout August. The first principle as we go through these chapters, and I've, I've challenged you as a church to read through these chapters as well and put yourself in the position of a disciple. That you are just like Matthew, that you are called, and the same things that Jesus is asking you to do that he asked Matthew to do and for his disciples. And so we see three principles here. We see the authority of Jesus, first and foremost. Then we see our calling that Jesus calls us to. And then we see what does that look like in our lives? What does it look like to be a follower of Jesus? So Matthew 9 I know we're kind of jumping around here, um, but today we're looking at Matthew 9, 18 through 22 as it relates to Jesus' authority. The Bible reads this way. While he was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. And Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. And behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, if I only touch his garment, I will be made well. Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly, the woman was made well. What we're seeing here is Jesus's authority his deity, that Jesus is God. When he speaks, when someone teaches, touches his garment, things obey. The scribes were upset with him after he called Matthew. Because he said, I'm forgiving you of your sins. Remember last week we looked at the authority, the paralytic was healed. And because of the paralytic's faith, his friend's faith, he said, I forgive you of your sins. And the scribes were upset because only God can forgive sins. So Jesus is claiming that he is God. That's why they're so upset. But we're seeing that Jesus is deity. That his authority, that Jesus is God. And that's so important because if Jesus isn't God, then he can't forgive us of our sins. He can't raise us from the dead. It's important to understand that Jesus, this is the word of the living God. And you may be like this lady. Maybe you have some physical ailment that you've been trying to pray to the Lord to overcome. Maybe you're suffering or someone that you know is suffering. Or maybe there's just some unanswered questions in your life. Jesus loves you. 
He knows you. He hears your prayers. And I want you to know that Jesus also knows the thing that we need the most, and that is our sins to be forgiven so that we can live with him for eternity. He knows that is number one, the most important thing that you and I know. And as we're walking through those things in life, and I'm not saying God won't heal you. I, men and I have suffered for years for things, and, and God miraculously, we're healed from it. Other things we continue to suffer with. I'm not saying God won't do that for you. But the most important thing for you and I as we walk through those things is to have a relationship with God. His power is made perfect in our weakness. Paul said, take this thorn out of my side. And God said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. The most important thing is our sins to be forgiven. And the most important thing as we walk through these things is to have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. So never give up hope if you are going through those things. The good news of the gospel, Jesus tells us, we're going to look at this in a little bit, is to go and declare the kingdom of God, the gospel of Jesus, the good news. And the good news is that Jesus forgives us of our sins, that he heals us spiritually. He heals us spiritually. Has anyone ever had a terrible boss? You remember? Supervisor? Oh, some hands went up really quick in the back. <laughs> really quick in the back. I worked at uh, Burger King for a little while. I was a farm boy, grew up, and there was like the winter time, things were slow. And so I said, well, I'm going to go work at Burger King. And it was like a fish out of water working fast food for. But we ha I had this boss, young guy, and he would take a um, paintball gun. And he would sit in his office and he would shoot us with it. And there's just like paint splattered all over the place at the end of the night. And he would make us clean up the paint. I mean, that's how humiliating this was. I didn't put up with it too long. Went and got another job. But I remember one day there was a bunch of bikers that came in. And they did not like my boss. And they were harassing him and saying, we're going to beat you up. And I'm like, hey, did you hear what they said? Like, they're saying they're going to beat you up. Are you going to do something about it? And he's like, be quiet. They're going to beat me up. You know? <laughs> but I didn't like being under the authority of this guy. But I want you to know, like, being under the authority of Jesus is a blessing. It truly, truly is a blessing. That Jesus, he is God. He, he has authority over you. You may, or may have never think, thought about that before, that Jesus has authority over all of us. He has authority over everything. He spoke and, and everything we know leapt into existence. Like He has authority over it. And I wanted to ask you this question. Who are we to ignore or tell Jesus what we want to do with our own lives. That really hit me right in the chest. Who are we to tell the God of the universe what we want? Or just totally ignore him altogether. That's what most of the world does. What we want with our lives. 
He tells us, go and declare the kingdom of God is at hand. Like Jesus could return any second in the blink of an eye. Go and declare the kingdom of God is at hand. And we see last week in Matthew 9, Jesus calls Matthew, says, hey, come and follow me. Matthew comes and follows him. Do you know what happened in Matthew 9 verse 10? I want to read that for you. If you're reading through these verses, I wonder if you caught this. Verse 10, right after that, and, and as Jesus reclined at a table in the house, means they're, they're eating. They used to recline at the table, lay down, and they would eat. And it says, behold, many, and I underline that, many, many tax collectors and sinners came and are reclining with Jesus and his disciples. Many. Many sinners showed up to be with Jesus. Now the religious people just really hated that. You see, sinners are attracted to Jesus. They are not attracted to stuffy religious people, judgmental, dying churches. They're just not. They're, they're, they want to see Christ in Christianity, right? Right? Maybe you get something out of it if this crisis is not in Christianity, but they want to see, like, we believe and we act and we do what we believe. Like, Christ is in the church. As Dana said, like, this is Christ's church. We invite Christ into this church. Like, he is the head of the church. Christianity with Christ should draw us my mom makes fun of me because I say us instead of us. I try to fix it, but, you know, it's at an age where it's just us. I'll say us. It's just more comfortable. We should be drawn to Christians. We're followers of Jesus. We're disciples of Christ. Like We should be doing the same things Christ did. We should be drawn to sinners. Sinners should be drawn to us. Now you're never not going to not hear that. Sinners should be drawn to this church. Those that are hurting, those that are left out, those that are addicted, those that are overlooked in our society should be drawn to us. We should be drawn to them. Jesus is the great physician, they say. He can heal anyone of what ails them. Second point is our calling, Matthew 9, 13. I mentioned this last week, and I really felt God saying to go over this again. So Matthew 9, 13. So after the uh, religious people were grumbling about Jesus being with um, all of these sinners, he rebukes them. In verse 13, he says, go and learn what this means. And I actually, this is from Hosea 6.6, and I actually went and read Hosea. Because I'm like, if Jesus says, go learn what this, what this means, that must be really important. So I went and read it, and I got a lot out of it, just to let you know. But Hosea 6.6 6 is what Jesus was saying here. And he was saying, go and learn this, that I desire faithful, steadfast love. And I desire for you to know me. 
above all sacrifice, above all anything else. I desire for you to love me unconditionally, and I desire for you to know me. And the way that we know God is through his word. The world construes, tries to to say that Jesus is something other than he is, and the only way that we would know who the deity, who God is, is through his word. Hosea, the prophet, as he's writing down, you know, the prophecy from the Lord, he says in there, he said, you, he's talking to Israel, he said, you are like the dew in the morning, or you are like the clouds in the morning. Like You're there, you love me for a second, and the next second, you're gone. He said, I don't desire that type of love. I don't desire that type of you searching me out, getting to know me. I desire for you to put me first and to love me and seek me and know me all day long. All day long. But you also know, I want you to know, that that steadfast, faithful love, it's not just to God. It's for others. It's for sinners. We see that. Jesus, he calls Matthew, the guy that everyone hates. A whole community, his family hates him. Jesus called him. And then all the other sinners showed up. God says, I desire for you to love me, and I desire you for, for you to love sinners just the way that I love them. That is the calling that we have. He says, hey, calling sinners to, to hang out with me and have a meal. And I say this, people will know. People are really intuitive, right? They'll know if you love them or not. They just know. They know if it's fake or if, it's, if you're just trying. Or they'll know if you truly, truly love them. The Bible says it is by 1 John. Others will know us by the love that we have. Others will know Christ by the love that we have. And again, why this is important is that this sinful world that we live in, man, they're searching. They're searching for what's missing in their lives. They feel it. They know. Something is missing within me. And I look for it in power. You see it in politics, right? I look for it in power. I look for it in money. I look for it in sex. I look for it in relationships. I look for it in all these ways. And at the end of the day, it comes up short. Right? For a little while, it feels okay. But at the end of the day, it comes up short. And you and I, we're the ones that we rub shoulders with, that we know the answer to what people are looking for. And they're looking for the only thing that can give them lasting joy and hope and peace. And that's a relationship with God through our Lord and Savior, Jesus. So last point, number three, what following looks like. Well, Matthew 10, 6 through 9, and then 14 through 50. I'm just going to go ahead and read that, 6 through 9. But go, Jesus said, this was to his disciples, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and proclaim as you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You receive without paying, give without paying. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, 
no bag for your journey or two tunics or sandals or staff for the labor, laborers deserve his food. 14. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave the house or town. Truly, I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment of the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. So we see in verse 6 that Jesus is saying, go to the lost sheep. Go to the sinners. Number 7. Verse 7, he says, go and tell them that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Share with them the gospel of Jesus. Number eight, this is care, compassion. Care for those that are sick. Here at True Life Community Church, we do food ministry, and we also do a program for single moms for a free laundry service called Loads of Love. That's our compassion care. That's what we do. That's what we try to focus a lot of our energy on, but also serving our community as well. Verse 9, I'm going to read that to you again. Verse 9, acquire no gold or silver or copper from your belts. And here I believe that the principle is that your ministry and what you do is not out of selfish ambition. It's not to get anything in return. It's only to serve the Lord. Nothing out of selfish ambition. Nothing that you think, I'm going to get this out of serving or do this out of serving. No, it's out of that love that we talked about. In Hosea 6, 6. It's just out of our overflow of our love as we spend time with Jesus that we just serve him with expectations of nothing in return. And at the end, Jesus, he tells us in verse 14, he says, And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust of your feet from your sandals. And what this tells me is that the results of what we are obedient to doing is not up to us. Someone receives us, someone hears you about Jesus, that's not up to you. That's up to the Lord. That's the Lord's business. We just be obedient to what he calls us to do. Let the results be to him. I did so many things that I was obedient to God, I never saw any results. I was like, I don't know if God's in this or not. But then I'd learn this principle, like I am not in control of the results. I'm only in control of being obedient to what God calls me to do. And that is it. Salvation belongs to the Lord, not to us. Lastly, for the application, I'm going to run through these fairly quickly. Um, But there are things that give us hesitancy in serving God. Talking about hesitancy, uh, we had a lot of hesitancy yesterday. Amanda and I went hiking, and we thought it was going to be a lot of fun until we began to get some hesitancy. Amanda said, my my feet are itching really badly. I said, well, let's stop and sit on a stump. We still got a couple miles to go, and she takes off her shoes covered in seed ticks, her feet covered in seed ticks. Hesitancy. That was a lot of, I'm like, what were, we, what were we thinking? This was a terrible idea. And so her shoes were so covered. I was trying to carry her shoes, and the seed ticks were coming up my shoes, or up my hand. And don't tell anybody, but we left the shoes there. Like, I'm like, I don't know what. We don't have a bag. I'm like, so don't tell anybody I littered, but I didn't know what else to do. I didn't know. 
And, uh, but anyway, so the, she walked barefoot, and the last, like, 100 yards was, like, rocks. And so here she is. I'm, I'm carrying her. She's bare feet in the woods. And I'm glad we didn't see anyone because I'm like, what? What in the crystal meth is going on around here? <laughs> That's one of our sayings we said. But we had a lot of hesitancy at that moment. But some of the things that we gives us hesitancy about serving at the church, one might be past church hurt. There's a lot of people with a lot of church hurt. And that takes a really long time to heal from. And I, I want you to hear my heart on this. If you have church hurt, I want, this play, I want true life to be a church of healing, right? If you're like, I got a lot of church hurt. I feel like it's too early for me to serve. I've, I've, done, I've done that, and, and it just didn't end well. Please, please hear me. I'm not asking you to do anything that would jeopardize your healing process. Like, I, I, my prayer is that, and it's almost so hard, it, it's almost so hard not to do, but my prayer is that no one would ever leave, no one would be part of true life and have church hurt here. But if you do come into church, to true life, and you have church hurt, I pray this is a place of healing. Time is also something that gives us hesitancy. Like we're all busy. we got kids, families, activities, things that are going on. But I want, to, I want to encourage you, and I want to challenge you to pray and to know that Christ is, has authority even over our time. So I want to, you to pray about that. The other could be fear of man. Like what are other people going to think about me? Right? What are they going to think about me if I become this like Christian guy that's walking around? And I want to read to you Matthew 10 28, just as a challenge. Jesus said about having no fear. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. It gives us perspective of what to be fearful about. The last one is, the next to last one is fear of not getting ahead. This is the one that really struck me as I was praying about these, the fear of not getting ahead. Like we focus so much on getting that promotion or, or increasing the value of our house or, or making connections or doing all these things. Like we're, 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 we're Americans, right? Like that's what we do. We do all these things to, to get ahead in life, and I think there's this fear that if we serve the Lord and we focus on Him, that somehow we're going to get behind. We're always trying to get ahead. And I think the fear is that we have to be dependent upon God. And I've been there before. Like Sometimes that can be a little scary. Like, Lord, if I do this, I'm dependent upon you of coming through, and I don't know what that's going to look like. But the one thing that Jesus marveled about on earth was someone's faith. Someone's faith. So I want to encourage you in that. Next thing is you may think that, hey, I'm not a mature Christian. I really can't serve. I'm not equipped to do that. But I want to encourage you. There's all kinds of levels of serving. Wherever you're at, I promise you, there's something in this packet that you can serve at. 
And lastly, it could be as simple as, hey, I've signed up before, I've expressed that I want to serve and nothing ever happened uh, from that. And I want to just encourage you to read this. We have a plan going forward to ensure that everyone gets signed up, there's good communication and all of that. So, all right. So I want to close it with this. And I just want to say, If anyone here or anyone that you know, when they stand in front of a holy God and without their sins forgiven, I want to read to you what some people in the Bible say about that. Now, it may have been a dream. It may have been I'm in the cliff of a rock and God passes behind me. I want to preface it that. And I also want to, I'll say this in a minute, but I want to preface it that, and here's what some people said that saw God. Isaiah says, it feels like I've been torn apart, I've been doomed. Job said, therefore, after I saw the Lord, I despised myself, and I repented in dust and ashes. And Peter, when Jesus said, throw out your nets, they bring in the fish. Peter looks up at Jesus and he's like, realizes all of a sudden that it is God. What does he do? He falls at his feet and he repents. He says, get away from me. I'm a sinner. That's the holy God that we represent. And I want you to know that you, above anyone else, in certain ways, you know more about Jesus than Moses Abraham, King David, like we have the Gospels of Jesus. Like that wasn't fully revealed to them. He is fully revealed to us in His Word. We know Jesus. We know His authority. We know how He calls us. And we know what He's asked us to do. Praise God that we know Jesus that way. We are so privileged. We are so privileged that you if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, that you can approach the throne of God. And God, because of God's grace, because of the works of Jesus, that you can approach the throne of God in confidence, hidden in Christ, an adopted son and daughter of the Holy King. And I pray that you know that today, not because of your works, so that no man may boast but because of God's mercy, because of his grace, and because of our faith in Jesus and what he did for us. If you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, if you've never heard about the impact of your sin as it relates to a holy God, I would pray that you would bow your head. As we, the worship team comes up, as they get ready to lead us into worship, I would ask that you would just call out to the Lord. Lord, I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. I'm tired of searching for things to fill this void that I have in my heart. I pray that God is revealing that to you, that the only way through salvation is faith in Jesus alone. Let's pray. Dear Father, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that we can know Jesus fully revealed to us through your word. We can know 
who we are in Christ. We can know what we're called to. We can know our standing with you as a holy God. And we can have confidence in that. Lord, just as the lady who was bleeding for 12, 14 years, she touches Jesus' robe. Jesus turns around. He says, your faith has healed you. Not only healed her of her physical ailments, but healed her of what was ailing her the most, and that was her sins. Lord, I pray we turn to Jesus. I pray we have so much faith. Each and every one of us have so much faith in Jesus that it would marvel you. Lord, we cannot do these things on our own. We cannot be healed from church hurt. We, we cannot grow to be more like Jesus. We cannot have faith like that. Lord, we cry out just as the guy did say, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. Lord, help us to have faith. Help us to know you more. Help us to love you and not just be like a fleeting mist in the morning, but it would be all day long that we love you, we praise you, we worship you because you are worthy. Help us to love you and help us to know you because that's what you ultimately desire is for us to love you and to know you and then to love others. Lord, we are sinners. We are weak. We can only do that through you and your power. Help us to admit our weakness so your power would be made perfect. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.